Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I interviewed Martha Bueno. Martha is a, a candidate for commissioner of Miami-Dade uh, District 10, and um, she has Bitcoin in her profile, so that's how I first came across her. But uh, I really wanted to talk to her about her family's backstory. So she was born here in America, but um, but her family's from Cuba, um, and she still works with Cuba a lot, uh, you know, sending things back to people and family and stuff like that. But uh, but her family had to escape Cuba and uh, and her you know parents had to to uh, you know literally get out of jail and all this crazy stuff. So um, I kind of wanted to get her story on the podcast because you know Bitcoin is freedom and it's uh, you know something that we can all uh, you know use a little bit more of a lesson on because we don't completely understand what it's what's going on out there in the world um you know outside of our own cushy suburban lives here so anyways um i had her on and then also uh, I, i need you guys to do me a favor and if you can refute her claims because she was talking about monero so uh you know she's all for bitcoin but her big thing was that uh as far as uh, getting it to people in Cuba, there's a little bit of a problem. And um, the guy that was at the Bitcoin conference and promoting it uh, apparently could be connected to the Cuban government and kind of trapping, they're like trapping people. So if you send Bitcoin to people in Cuba, it gets uh, converted into their you know version of Bitcoin, which is basically a Cuban shitcoin and, uh, and the government controls the people. So it, it really isn't doesn't sound like it's the best scenario, um, but I'm also not an expert in these things. So uh, I would, she even said, you know, if there's an option that works and I, you know, explained to her that, you know, Monero is centrally uh, controlled and, you know, has a single point of failure with, uh, you know, a CEO and people that run it. Um, so if you could uh, reach out to her and uh, and hit her up in the DMs, she's open and uh, and will uh, you know be glad to uh, accept anything. So that is the homework for anybody out there that knows uh, the best way for um, people in Cuba to get Bitcoin around the Cuban government. Um, so uh, yeah, we talked about that, and then uh, you know um, obviously what Bitcoin can do. And then we also get into Ross Albrecht um, and, you know, his his uh, story and and how she um, actually is friends with uh, Ross's mom, Lynn, and how they uh, they connected. And, and then, uh, you know, it's kind of the she is Martha is a uh, libertarian um, at heart and, um, you know, and, and she wants to help liberate uh, Cubans. And uh, and also, you know, she has experience going from. Cuba to uh, to other countries and seeing that uh, things fall apart uh, before they you know before uh, it it really you know shit hits the fan. So she wants to make sure uh, that that doesn't happen here in the states and it doesn't happen in Miami where she is from. Um, so, anyways, if you want to get in touch with me, just email the show Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com and also check out the bitbox o2 hardware wallet go to shiftcrypto.ch slash bitcoin made simple and use the promo code bitcoin made simple to get five percent off and oh and movies plus we are adding bitcoin documentaries left and right so if you're listening to this in the uh immediate future we have i believe five documentaries bitcoin documentaries on there 
But uh, if you're listening to this in the you know future, future, a couple months from now, uh, we probably have even more. So uh, check it out. Go to mymoviesplus.com. Get a free trial. Check it out. And I will uh, also, if you guys have any recommendations, send them to me on Twitter uh, at Corey underscore Tusik. Um, because uh, there's movies out there that maybe I don't know about. Um, so if you do, if you've come across them, send them to me. Let me know uh, if you want to see it on Movies Plus, and I will do my darndest to get it up there. But hope you guys enjoy the show, and I will talk to you later. So yeah, so those dirty politicians we were talking about. Um, I'm sitting here with one of them, um, and, uh, and she's smiling because she was the one that brought it up. Um, so. Martha Bueno, um, and I said that correctly, right? Yes. Okay, good. Um, the, Literally means good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because uh, I took I took French, but not Spanish, so I'm not good on my on my Spanish. Um, but uh, you know, like you were talking about before we started recording, down in Miami, where you are on the West Side, it's it's all Spanish speaking. And I had a primarily, primarily yeah. the, the, those that live here that only speak English are not going to like hearing that. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it, the food has to be phenomenal. I, I'm biased. I mean, I'm Cuban. And I think we have some of the best food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been um, well, and I had a, a co-worker years and years ago that uh, she was from uh, Mexico and there was this one restaurant in the area. And she was like, that is the closest you'll get to like the real thing. And we went and it was like, whoa, like it blew me away. Um, so, uh, you know, nothing against Taco Bell. I love my Taco Bell. That's my guilty pleasure, you know. Um, <sighs> I but, can't uh, agree there. Sorry. Sometimes in, sometimes in Pittsburgh, that's the only thing you can get. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then you're forgiven. Sure. <laughs> it's either that or pierogies, you know, like that's. A, that's a, I don't know what pierogies is. Oh, that's a, like a Eastern Central European, like like a dough with like potatoes on the inside like just yeah it's literally take your word for it yeah yeah yeah. but um so anyways well thanks for coming on the show and um i the the first time i saw you back last summer and i think i reached out um because you're a politician you have bitcoin in your profile so everybody's like oh you know follow that politician um and I'm on the record of saying that I don't trust any politician. No offense. Um, None taken. But you're a libertarian, <laughs> so you get it. Um, uh, but what really stood out to me was your your family backstory. Um, so without me alluding too much to it, um, you know, you're of Cuban descent, and right. and you came here, and this, you know, is a is a I story. Was born here. I was were, born oh, here. Oh, you were born here. Yeah, okay, I was born okay. here. I'm I'm American through and through. Um, but my father was a political prisoner in Cuba and my brother was born there. So I'm not myself an immigrant, but I was born to immigrants and um, I lived the immigrant lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to kind of get into to start, because I think in Bitcoin, we all like get like up on our high horse and we're ready to like champion these different things. Um, and then we kind of forget that there's like real life situations that unfold. Um, and you you, your father has lived through that. So take people through like your kind of family backstory and, and how you ended up where you are now. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, for those that don't know, Cuba is a communist country. It is to this day. Uh, Cuba became a communist country after Fidel Castro took power. It already had a dictator before that. So it's not like Cuba has a long history of freedom. It doesn't. It was a, a Spanish colony 
it acquired its freedom. And then we had uh, Batista, which was a dictator. So Fidel came in with this notion uh, when, when Batista was in power, the United States was very much entrenched in Cuba. So it was what today we would consider like a Vegas. You know, it was where all the Americans used to go to party and, and um, play, go to casinos. And, and Cubans didn't want that. And Fidel knew this and he played that part very well. Um, and he sold himself as like, we're going to get rid of the Americans and we're going to have all this, you know, everybody's going to be equal and all these opportunities. Um, my grandparents, my grandmother specifically, was very involved in politics, and she was uh, a castrista, somebody that was in favor of Castro until he took power. And then she realized, <laughs> you know, Castro never came to power saying, I'm going to be a socialist. So when I hear somebody like Bernie Sanders talking about these policies, I'm like, he's telling you up front that he wants these policies. We didn't have that with Fidel. Fidel never said, I am a socialist. He was like, no, I'm just going to get rid of the Americans and, you know, everything's going to be kumbaya and wonderful. So Fidel took power and my grandmother decided I'm no longer uh, a, a Fidelista and she was kind of against it. Um, had several family members that were put up against the firing wall and, and shot. So um, it's, you know, I feel like I have a history, a family history of of knowing this reality of growing up with it. I heard these stories from my grandmother and um, my grandmother's sister, my great aunt. And then my father, when he was, before he turned 21, in his early, you know, adult years, he, he, he realized he's not going to have a future in Cuba. There, you really couldn't. And to this day, if you are not part of the communist uh, community, if you're not a communist, if you're not ready to, to be a repressor, if you're not ready to beat people, if you're not ready to spy on people, on your own friends and family, you can't have a, a, a position in Cuba where you can sustain your family. And that's what you see. There's two classes in Cuba, the elites, which are generally people from the military, the Castro family, and then there's everybody else. So my dad saw this history, saw this happening, and he was like, I, this isn't for me. And he tried to leave. And when he tried to escape the first time he was caught and he was given a six year jail sentence, my grandmother, Coincidentally, we share the same name. She's also, she was Martha Bueno, mm. the first. Um, she, she hatched this whole plan uh, to get my dad out of jail. And the day that that plan was to be executed, she kind of chickened out. And my mom was like, well, that's not going to stop me. And she took over the plans and broke my father out of jail. Uh, my dad was first sentenced to like a political prison, which was an actual prison where they try and brainwash people. And my dad, being a smart man, was like, hmm. Yeah, Castro's the greatest. So after six months of that, they're like, oh, do you want to work in the fields? And he's like, yes, because that's how I'm going to get out of here. Mm. So he did. He worked in what would be a gulag, um, you know, the horrible treatment. But nonetheless, he was freer. Yeah. So my mom broke him out of there, uh, him and his cousin, who both had been taken on the same day and um, took him to a town right out of Guantanamo, the, the, the military base that the United States has. Uh, he hid out for about a month. And at the month mark, he went through an outhouse. Yeah, he literally went through shit wow. <laughs> and then made it out to the bay that's right in front of Guantanamo. And there's, you know, a small island that is part of Guantanamo where there's always a soldier stationed. And my father swam about a mile to reach that island. Um, and when he did, because at that time in the early 70s, um, if you touched American soil, you could come to the United States. So that's how he made it. When he reached that island, the soldier helped him out, you know, helped him up helped him get onto the island and said, welcome to America. And that's wow. that story to me. Um, it just it's my everything. It's 
it's the difference between having the freedom to make decisions for yourself versus living in a system that you don't. And when we talk about socialism, people just don't realize what they're asking for. Every time you ask the government, give me this thing I deserve or I need or I want, you're also giving them power over your life. And so we live through that. And, and I say we, my family, um, my dad moved, obviously, from there, he, he was given a ride on one of the uh, military uh, flights back to the US. I think it was the garbage flight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so the, the US military sends its garbage back to New Jersey. And that's the flight my dad was on. And um, he made it to New Jersey and over time got my mom and my brother out of Cuba. And here we are. And then we moved to Venezuela, where rinse and repeat. I literally lived through I lived in Venezuela when it was one of the richest countries in Latin America, and I watched as uh, socialism took over. So I personally have experienced living in a free country where socialism is the new norm. And my father, you know, would talk to people and be like, hey, I've seen this happen before. We can't let this happen here. And people would be like, come on, Cuban, you have no idea. That's not going to happen in Venezuela. Look at all our riches. Look at our petroleum. Look at everything we have. And it happened. Uh, we're in 20 years of Venezuela being a socialist, communist mm -hmm. hellhole, unfortunately. So it, it happened. And, you know, now when I talk about that here in the United States, people are like, but Martha, you have no idea. It's not going to happen it's here. It's never going to happen here. We're the freest country. And I'm like, I hope so. But I feel like at this point, I may have some experience in this realm. And the more you ask of your government to do for you, the worse it's going to be. And we just lived through COVID. So I may have a point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what I was like, I was telling you, you know, I moved out of the city and everything like that, because at this point, um, I think we're almost completely unreliant on anyone else. Like we could. Um, Good for you. Let's just say I'm so jealous. Yeah, we're, we're pretty close. So if I if I get this solar, you know, installed, it won't actually be enough to like it would be enough to run our house like normally, like, we, you know, we would have to maybe not like run the AC because our everything's off of electric, no gas or anything like we're not dependent on gas. So, you know, the heater, everything would be running off of electric and we wouldn't be able to like dial, like run it full time. Um, but like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, hey, like we're off the grid. That's pretty and close. It, and That's I pretty never close. thought that I would be in this scenario like. And but it's like a combination of like Bitcoin and COVID kind of have brought me here. Um, Good, welcome. Yeah. So welcome, I, welcome. The water's warm. Come on in. Join yeah. the freedom movement. And I think that that's one of the things that I love so much about the Bitcoin community is it's people who have been, what are we calling it? Orange pilled, red pilled, mm -hmm. whatever pill color you want to call it. It's people who have realized that there's something wrong. Um, and government doesn't have your well-being in, you know, at heart. And you want to get away from government control. And government currency is one of those issues. It's one of those. So I love this movement because, you know, I've been a libertarian for a long time and I've never seen so many people come to freedom all at once as the Bitcoin community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or and the I crypto mean community. I know I can't listen. Ooh, I know ooh, ah. people in Bitcoin are like Bitcoin only. <laughs> I know I get it, but crypto. No, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's a term they call top of the funnel. Um, you know, where like, you know, let's say like, uh, Anthony Pompliano, um, 
a lot of people have said like he's very good at top of the funnel you know because he talks about all the other shit coins and everything like that um but uh but like if it wasn't if it's not for people like that then i wouldn't be where i am today because um i mean you know i say most people have their shit coin phase um and and you slowly but surely get to uh where you're supposed to be that like my my saying now is that everybody is on their own individual unique path to becoming a bitcoin maximalist like they'll get there eventually but i don't know that i will ever be a bitcoin maximalist and i think that there's a lot of conversations to be had here and one of those things is bitcoin's transparency mm-hmm. and um you know the fact that it is transparent is one of its benefits the fact that you can look at the ledger and see every single transaction ever happened, you know, every single coin ever mined is good. I am I am a total Bitcoin almost maximalist. Mm-hmm. I believe in it. I think that the technology is brilliant. We were talking beforehand about Ross Ulbricht. To me, Ross Ulbricht is my, you know, North Star on freedom, right? I mean, this man believed in freedom, believed in Bitcoin before everybody else mm-hmm. um, was one of the major factors of why we're all here today. So I am definitely Bitcoin, Bitcoin all the way, but then I'm also a Cuban. And so Bitcoin is now a big thing in Cuba, but who's pushing Bitcoin in Cuba? Well, the Cuban regime. And people are like, well, the Cuban regime can't control it, but you're wrong. They can because they can control what- They can't acts- control Bitcoin as a whole, but they can- they can, the users they can right. they, they can, can control um they kind of, that's one of my fears is um you know that gov- a lot of governments will wake up to the fact that they can't control bitcoin so what they're going to do is is cast a very kind of like a thin net like a more like a cellophane mm-hmm. you know net that goes over everything so they don't even people don't even see that they're trapped um right. you know and they kind of like uh like the chivo wallet in, in el salvador you yeah. know where it's like you know, okay, yeah, I mean, you're, you're taking this airdrop of $30 in Bitcoin from the government, but like now they're going to watch like everything you do. And, you know, there is a lot of solutions to um, to get around that, pri- you know, the privacy and everything like that that you want on Bitcoin. But like you said, and, you know, even there's the whole conversation right now happening with this, this BIP 119, which I'm not even going to get into, but like that, uh, you know, people are like, oh, it's a pro- proposed, you know, soft fork to Bitcoin. And it's like, well, the average person is not going to read through these things. And so, like, I do worry about that with the privacy um, because the privacy is achievable. Like one of the things whenever Jack Mallers was talking about, um, you know, implementing the lightning payments at, you know, payment centers everywhere at uh, any point of sale. And he was like, I'm going to pay for, you know, this stuff um, with a QR code like from the Bitcoin mind in my house running on a, on a node from tour uh, over tour. So it's like, you can be completely private, you but you be. have to take a lot of steps. But let's look at work. what Cubans can have access to. Can they have access to a cold storage wallet? No. And why is that? Well, they're not sold in Cuba. You cannot get access to one. I've been shipping medicine to Cuba for a year now. We've gotten thousand, at least a thousand pounds, if not more into Cuba at this point. And um, I can tell you, it's really hard. I, I, I Side note on that, I like to call it, um, I'm smuggling drugs into Cuba. 
I love using that term because yeah. when you think about smuggling drugs, you're like, oh, that's horrible. But what am I smuggling? I'm smuggling Tylenol and antibiotics and things that people need and can't get a hold of mm -hmm. themselves. So, yes, I smuggle drugs to Cuba. And I can tell you that I can't smuggle a cold storage wallet. I just can't. Really? I, it, I mean, it would be very difficult and maybe I can get one or two in, but, but they, than... they go through everything and it's not sold there. So when people are like, well, you can run your own private node and you get great not in a totalitarian system that is Cuba. You can't, it's impossible. So what did the Cuban government do? Well, they designed their own payment platforms, which they are calling wallets. They're not wallets and you don't get to keep your Bitcoin. One of the big issues I had with the Bitcoin conference this year, which was completely surprising to me. And, and this, I will tell everyone, I, I went on a lot of uh, Hispanic podcasts and shows and I repeatedly said, I believe that, the Bitcoin conference just isn't aware of who this guy is. And then I found out that, no, they absolutely are aware. And as David Bailey said himself on a space that I hosted that he came to, he was like, well, if the Taliban is using Bitcoin, we'd invite the Taliban too, because we believe in letting everyone have a platform. Well, here's the thing. In Cuba, not everybody has a platform and you don't just get to show up um, in Cuba and create a platform and be like, I'm going to be away from the government. You have to have government permission. So this man who was coming to the, the Bitcoin conference, which is hosted in Miami, which is the largest Cuban diaspora in the world, mm. um, where everyone here has horror stories like my own, you know, my own mm. father losing his freedom for attempting to leave his country. Think about that. How many times have you been on an airplane? You get to leave your country and come back. And there's no big issue. My dad was given a six year jail sentence for attempting to leave his country, not even achieving it. Not even doing anything else. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, please don't come and tell me like, oh, no big deal, Martha. Cuba's the greatest place. I have family members who were tortured and killed. So, yeah, it's a big deal. My entire life revolves around this. My entire history, I have family that live there that I have to support from here from the United States, because if not, they won't eat. They can't mm -hmm. eat. They are persona non grata because they're not part of the regime. So spare me the, well, let everyone come and, you know, so that, that's the big issue I had with the Bitcoin conference. They allowed this person, they were inviting this person to come speak about a platform created for and by the Cuban regime to take people's Bitcoin and give them a shit coin, which is even worse than a shit coin because it's a Cuban digital coin, which is basically a, a, an amount on a gift card. It's, it's no more than that. That only works in Cuban government stores. Nowhere else on the planet will they take MLC. I call it... Uh, Chuck E. Cheese money. It's just like Chuck E. Cheese. If you have kids and you've ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese, you give them your dollar and they give you these coins that are worthless outside of Chuck E. Cheese. That is MLC. Worthless anywhere else on the planet, only in those Cuban government stores. And that's what they were promoting. This platform where we, the people outside of Cuba, are to send our good Bitcoins so that the Cuban government, the Cuban regime, because it's not a government, and mm -hmm. pardon me, yeah. I can't call it that. It's the Cuban regime. These people who have tortured and killed people for generations are going to keep Bitcoin. They know there's only 21 million. So imagine they want to they want to have as many of these as it's they can their way to mine Bitcoin, basically. They have no way to mine. They don't even have electricity in Cuba. I mean, electricity is uh, out in most places in Cuba for about eight hours a day. So you get a few hours of, inter of, of, of electricity and then you're out for most of the day. So they have no way of mining it, but they can mine it off of the backs of people who have left Cuba. And how do they do that? Creating a platform so that we can send Bitcoin and then people in Cuba can pay their bills. It's very convenient. I got to give them that. You know, you can pay your cell phone and your internet and your electricity bill and, you know, the things that all Cubans want, but they can't get. 
So if they tell their family outside, hey, look, we can talk now because you can pay my internet by sending some Bitcoin to Cuba and that'll pay my bills. We're going to do it because we're desperate. And so they're preying on our desperation. And that was my big issue with the Bitcoin conference and with people who are supporting Bitcoin in Cuba because they just don't understand. It's not, oh, Bitcoin is freedom and it's going to help save everyone. On the contrary, it's going to continue to enslave people on the island. And now they're enslaved to this government that holds their money, that holds their money hostage. And there's a law in Cuba where if you receive money of any kind from outside and you go against your government, it's an automatic 10-year jail sentence. We have people that are serving 20 years in jail right now, including 50 children between the ages of 13 and 17 for going out to protest last July 11th. This was a huge story. Um, People went out to protest and they are now facing 20 years in jail. If they would have received Bitcoin on top of that, that's another 10 years. Now, as much as I love Bitcoin and I'm totally in favor of it, I don't I wouldn't do 10 years for it. I'm sorry. Would you? I mean, would most people? We love it because it's freedom. But mm-hmm. if it was going to sentence you to 10 years, I don't think most people would. So that's my issue with Maxis. That right there. It's I understand that everybody loves Bitcoin. We all do. We're all in this together with Bitcoin. But you have to understand that it's privacy issues or lack thereof is a huge, huge issue for people, not just in Cuba, but around the world that don't have freedom and they need it. I'll, you, I'll have to invite you in sometime if I'm in a Twitter space, because because there's like many flavors of maxis and um, and the ones that like I'd say prior, like my like the ones that I, I probably liken myself to the most um are very much on your point of view like do you know like i don't know if you've like matt odell where he talks about like you know if you own if you have a thing in your house that you can say like alexa what's the weather like you're probably doing it wrong from a privacy standpoint you know right um so yeah so and but there are the ones that are like they're maxis and it's just like the the price is gonna go to the moon and it's kumbaya and it's gonna save the world and and it's like you know it's, how is I've, it going to save the world? Tell me I, how it's going to save the world. Yeah, <laughs> I've told a lot of people. I say, like, you know, if you want it to go where it's going to go, like, which I think it will. Like, I'm I'm fairly confident that it will, price wise and everything. It's going to, you know, it's going to con- uh, suck everything in, but it's not going to be a pretty transition. Like these regimes have the power. Right. You know, do you think they're just going to willingly give it up? So it's kind of funny that you're saying that because I've I've been telling people kind of from like a U.S. perspective, but more like maybe the Federal Reserve and the central banks and World Economic Forum of like they've been able to be puppet masters. Mm-hmm. And do you think we're just going to they're just going to like be like, oh, well, we lost. It's over. Like they're going to lose, right. but they're going to fight like crazy and throw everything at you to try yes. and stay in power. So if you look at Cuba as a microcosm, it's kind of what's happening there. You know, it's like Cuba understands, like, look, that we can't stop Bitcoin. So the best thing we can do is try to trap people in our version of Bitcoin. and make money off of it. Because, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, again, there's only 21 million Bitcoin. So he who hath the most, the most um, will will win. Right. You will have one day when there's they're all mined and everybody has what they have and, you know, yeah, the guy, the the country, the regime that has the most is going to be able to buy the most things or be able to defend themselves or whatever the case may be. So Cuba's not stupid. They didn't get to 63 years of this totalitarian regime by being dumb. They're smart. And I think that that's, that's the issue I have is 
I am 100% pro Bitcoin. And, and every time I talk about this, I go somewhere and I talk about it, people tend to attack me and be like, Martha, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, and you're right. I'm not the most technical person. So, you know, sure. Either, I say so. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand Bitcoin from a, a intellectual, philosophical standpoint. I maybe don't understand every little thing. But I can tell you that if it's traceable and it's trackable, that's a problem in countries where you have no freedom. So I was the opening speaker for Monero. And what is my contention with Monero? What is my reason to speak at the Monero conference or talk about it? Well, it's because I believe in, in this technology of, of cryptocurrencies. And to me, it doesn't matter where you on-ramp into, we're on-ramping with the dollar. Do we agree with the dollar? No, but it's how we're on-ramping onto Bitcoin. You can on-ramp using Monero if that's how you, you know, that's the way we're going to do it. So for me, it's not about the financial incentive of Monero or Bitcoin for Cuba. It's let's get away from that Cuban peso and the MLC, which are two currencies circulating in Cuba that are useless outside of Cuba. That means that if you're in Cuba and you want to leave, when you leave, you have no money. Because yeah, who's going to take your Cuban peso? So if I can onboard people into a privacy coin like Monero so that they are confident and so that they don't mess up and have the Cuban government come knock on their door of like, hey, <laughs> I know that you received this Bitcoin. They're going to be as private as we can. And I, I get it. Some people are like, well, one day that's going to be, you know, they'll be able to figure it out. OK, but for, for right now, let's assume they're fairly private and they will be. And the Cuban government doesn't necessarily have the same access that the American government has. And mm -hmm. so for now, it's as safe as, as, as whatever we have. Let's onboard people. Let's get them into the crypto mentality. Let's teach them with Monero. And then once they're in freedom, they can go to whatever coin they want. And again, I'm all about freedom. So if they go to Bitcoin, great. If they go to Ethereum, fantastic. If they go, you know, I think teaching people, opening up their minds to the possibilities is where I am. Mm -hmm. And so I think that Monero is going to revolutionize the world in the way that we thought Bitcoin was going to do it. And that is because of the privacy. But at the end of the day, the concept is cryptocurrencies. And I think cryptocurrency, having something that's decentralized away from the government is where, mm -hmm. is well, where the magic happens. <laughs> what happens though, whenever um, like the Cuban government knocks on the door of the ceo of uh, uh what's his name that invented uh monero you know what i mean like that's that's my thing with bitcoin is that there is there's no ceo that can be they, that they can knock on their door and say hey 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 we we really need to track this now because like right. the you know like when people talk about monero like there are good privacy elements but i always say anything that is of any quality from the other shit coins will always be something that gets implemented on top of bitcoin as another layer and with bitcoin as the base protocol for example with ethereum you know they were like you can't buy you can't buy coffee with bitcoin because it takes 10 minutes to settle and so they created ethereum they came up with this whole new with bigger blocks and everything like that and then now we have the lightning network you know what i mean and like in the instant transaction it's just like well, that solved the problem. So like anything, I, I mean, I agree with you where if, if you're in a position where it's traceable, that's a problem. So, you know, eventually, because we're not at the end of the, of the road here. With no, we're coin, at the beginning, guys. I it's going to it's going to come on. And that's what like there's a whole the whole converse, the the BIP that I mentioned. It's the, you know, the uh, proposal to ch do a soft fork. It's like I'm all ears. I'll listen. But let's not change things willy nilly, you know, and like and um, 
you know, so that's why, like, whenever I hear you talking about Monero, like, I'm not like I'm at all on the Monero like side at all, but the privacy side, I'm 100% for. And how can that be implemented to Bitcoin? Because I see exactly what you see, which is the the problems with if you get Bitcoin sent to you from the states into Cuba, you can't leave with it. So is there? I guess I'll have to probably do some more digging to find out and maybe I can share some resources with you, but I'm sure there's a way that it can be done, but sure the- there is too. Here's the problem, the education. So mm-hmm. it's very easy. It's just like here in the United States. If you go to one of those Coinbase, right? Coinbase is easy. Let's just be real. If you're not tech, oh, yeah, it's just, you you're going to go to buttons, Coinbase, you know, right? Boom, boom, you're going to connect your, your bank account and you're going to be like, boom, I've just bought Bitcoin. Yay. And that's what the vast majority of people are going to do. Same thing in Cuba. They're going to go to Cuba pay because, well, that's the easy route. So why am I insisting on Monero? Well, besides the safety, it's because it's, you know, the, the steps to get onto Monero kind of ensure your privacy. So therefore, even if you mess up, you're less likely to go to jail. So to me, it's not, again, it's not um, that I'm against Bitcoin. It's just that this, the, how easy it is for people to mess up is mm-hmm. something that you have. Cubans have only had easier access to the internet since 2018. We're talking about a country that is slowly waking up. I mean, they've, they've grown up brainwashed that they live in the best country in the world. They go into a supermarket that doesn't have anything on the shelves. And they're like, we live in the best country in the world. Other people live worse than us. So when you show them other countries, you're like, really? You mean in, I'm, I was in Georgia, um, the country of Georgia in December, and I did a video of myself at a supermarket in Spanish talking about all the foods. And the number one thing that I got from Cubans was, you mean they, 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 they have food? You mean they have, they have things, they have variety. There's not just one milk. It's not just, and it, they couldn't believe it. Why? Because they're, they're growing up being brainwashed that they live in the best country in the world. Yeah. They don't have any food, but everywhere else is just as bad as them. And when they confront that reality, they're like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe what I've been told is wrong. So you have to understand that this is like, you know, finding a tribe in the middle of somewhere that hadn't had a whole lot of human contact, you're not going to get them working on Bitcoin the way we can here in the United States, because we can go on these podcasts and talk to each other and be like, Hey, this is this concept. Let me explain it to you. Well, this, this is how you do it. They are very limited in their resources. So my big thing again is how can we save them from those 10 years in jail the easiest way? And I I keep coming back to it's the privacy of Monero. Nonetheless, I I get it. People are going to still send me messages and be like, Martha, that's a shit coin. And you really need to get people off of it. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest, you know, fear is because they're, you know, privacy built into the software. But, um, you know, there is a central point of failure. And that is that is, you know, even though they're outside of the reaches of Cuba, you know, what I mean, like the moment. What if, you know, Cuba says to the U.S. like, hey, we really need we really need that shut down. And they tap them on the tap Monero on the shoulder. You know, then you're that's just that's. That's why I can't recommend anything other than Bitcoin because Bitcoin doesn't have a CEO. It can't be manipulated. It can't be confiscated. Um, it can, in the sense, it, it can if you don't do the practice. Oh, that's Ross right. Elbrick. Yeah, if you don't practice, if you have bad practices, or um, you know, then it then it can. But think about Bitcoin in 2013 when he 
was taken off. I mean, he had, he had no idea or maybe he did. And he was just uninterested. He didn't think that it was possible. So I think we, we, we've learned so much in the last nine years. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in nine years from now, what I'm saying now is probably going to be completely irrelevant and we'll probably all be on Bitcoin or whatever the thing is. So again, take this with a grain of salt. To me, it's, this is how I can free Cuba today. I can't wait for Bitcoin to get to the point where it's good for Cuba. I need to free them today. So we do have a plan and I am trying to find people that can help with this plan. My goal for Cuba is to give them a free market, sort of what Ross did. Mm-hmm. Um, but for not for drugs, for just everything, Cuba everything needs else, an yeah. eBay style platform where people can exchange with themselves because there's a lot of mm-hmm. Cubans that are trying to leave and would like to sell their goods as they leave and take money with them. Again, remember, we're just trying to onboard them into crypto with Monero. So if there's a eBay style platform that trades in Monero so that it's completely anonymous at the time of exchange of money. Then they can onboard once they've once they've left Cuba with their seed phrase memorized and they've gotten to whatever country from Nicaragua, where they're going to now to here in the United States, anywhere. They can change that Monero to any currency they want. Now they've managed to not only sell their goods that they were leaving behind that before they just had to leave, but they're able to bring money. And for those who stay behind, they're able to have a market access to things that they don't have access to now. And we're able to, as as Cubans outside, send them remittances that does not go through the Cuban system. Everything in Cuba goes through the Cuban government, the Cuban mm-hmm. regime. So we're trying to solve these problems. These these problems seem- When you send like the Monero, small. though, how does that not get trapped by the government? Well, that's why we need we need two things. We need to not only send Monero, we need a place for people to be able to exchange. This is an idea. It's a concept. We're not there mm-hmm. yet. We don't have mass adoption. We don't. I mean, Bitcoin doesn't have mass adoption in Cuba either. So people mm-hmm. were like, oh, but Cuba, Cuba. Yes. Yes. Bitcoin is is going to be the official currency for the Cuban government in terms of like it's one of the they're not going to get rid of it. They've had multiple currencies for years. They're not going to get rid of their Cuban base on the MLC, but it's going to be one of them. So it might make our transition easier. But if we go through with Bitcoin, the payment platform that people are using Cuba pay that the Cuban government keeps Bitcoin and gives you their real shitcoin MLC. So um, that's where the issue is. If you are uh, using Monero, you would just download a wallet, you know, cake wallet or Monero.com, whatever, and and have it there. And that's why we need a way for people to exchange. They can exchange it the way we've been doing with Bitcoin, you know, person to person. But that takes more um, because people just aren't free to talk about this. And that's the other point that I think a lot of people just don't understand. You cannot have a conversation about a lot of things in Cuba because you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know if that's going to land you in jail. Honestly, the situation in Cuba is just really difficult. And it's hard for people who have never lived in something like this um, to understand and and to comprehend how hard it is. Yeah. I mean, because most of us don't know what it's like to, you know, struggle and wait for like food or water. You know what I mean? Like if the power goes out for five minutes, we're like, son of a bitch, like this, this is the worst, you know what I mean? Imagine eight hours a day easily. Imagine having anything in your refrigerator because it's hard to find food. So if you manage to find food and you put it in your refrigerator or freezer, it's going to go bad. Mm -hmm. So it's a daily struggle. And there's a reason for this. Regimes do this because if you're struggling every single day to find food, you don't have time to organize. And yes. So there's a reason for this. 
Um, but I, I do need people to understand that, you know, when you're taking into account where I'm coming from, please keep that in mind. Like, yeah. this is a, now, a real struggle. And now any, you know, plebs, if you're listening, if you're going to reach out to Martha via DM, because I'm right there with you and we'll get her to be Bitcoin only and and drop this whole Monero thing. But in all honesty, though, if you're reaching out to Martha, you guys, uh, there's plebs out there that are smarter than me and they have more resources. Um, and I know it seems like, Martha, you'd be completely open to hearing if somebody was if somebody came to you and said, here's the way from that Bitcoin can be completely privately used for people in Cuba. Sure. You'd be all for it. All for it. Okay, so that's all right. That's the challenge to the plebs that are listening. They're probably sitting here going, "If like, it's an easy way, Monero, so many don't times, make it stop." Yeah, like, <laughs> don't make me um, try and teach people twenty steps to get to privacy. If there's an easy one, if there's a Coinbase that is completely um, private, by all means, like I need the easiest way. Adoption happens when things are easy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I keep going back to like Uber and things like that, like. Why is Uber so easy? Because all you need is this app on your phone. You don't have to learn how to use it. And now you have a car at your disposition at all times. If it was difficult, you know, like taxis were, why didn't we use taxis to get around town if you were going to, you know, go drinking with your buddies? Because you got to have a phone number for a taxi place and call. And then, oh, you're not close. Let me call another taxi place. Right. You know, it was complicated. So if you can solve a problem, make it really easy with Bitcoin, by golly, I am there. Please call me. DM me. My DMs are always open. I don't respond to everyone. If you send something that's nasty, imagine I will either share it with other people because I think they're hilarious or I won't respond. So um, take your pick. <laughs> you'll get a, you'll get a little bit of both, but I, I encourage <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I trust and, and love my listeners. So I know that, uh, you know, they're sitting there. A lot of them are, are like me squirming every time you keep saying the word. The Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. That is who is sponsoring this episode. We want to thank them for sponsoring and you guys need to check it out because you need to get your coins off of the exchanges. We talk about it all the time. They're rehypothecating it. They're using your Bitcoin to make more money for themselves, enrich themselves, make other people poor. And, you know, maybe the day will come where the government will say, hey, uh, we got to stop all the withdrawals off of exchanges. So you have to keep your paper Bitcoin on the exchange. Um, I recommend you don't do that. And the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet is the best one to do it with because it is so simple to use. And I'm not joking. I say it all the time, but I was intimidated by hardware wallets. Then I used the Bitbox and guess what? I love it. I'm addicted to it. Every time I buy, I could buy, you know, I might start taking like, any rewards I get, you know, like little, like, you know, hundred sats here and there and, and, uh, and just exchange them onto the hardware wallet. Probably not because, uh, that would just take too much time. Cause I'm always doing everything with all the different places you can earn Bitcoin, but I, it is so simple. I mean, you plug the Bitbox in and it's very simple, easy to use. The user interface is great. And, um, you know, you get your big, your Bitcoin into your Bitbox and your bibbity bit bop, bibbity bop. Yeah, that's a lot to a lot of bees to say. You get your Bitcoin into your Bitbox and you get to protect your wealth. And that is the thing that we are all trying to encourage everyone to do. So if you're going to do it, use the Bitbox because it's simple, easy to use, and it'll protect your wealth. Go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple and use the promo code Bitcoin made simple and you'll get 5% off. So everybody loves 5% off Bitcoin made simple and go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple. All right. So 
let's fi- we'll figure that out and maybe we'll have a follow-up episode because I am really intrigued because that is actually a fear of mine is like I said, that, that cellophane net that's going to get put over people um, right. and kind of trap them and think like, Oh, I'm using Bitcoin. And it's like, Oh no, you're not like, good luck. Um, and I'm actually, I'm in the process. One of the things I want to do with Bitcoin mining is basically take like all the Bitcoin that I've bought that was KYC. And instead of like, instead of keeping that just in cold storage, it's like the electrical bills and everything will be paid with that Bitcoin and all the The legitimate expenses. Yeah. yeah, All the KYC free stuff will flow right from my miner into my wallet. And, and like, you mean before you had that boating accident, that was so unfortunate. I know I gotta, I gotta, I don't know what it is with Bitcoiners, but we just keep having these accidents and we put our storage wallets. There's maybe that's why Cuba and Bitcoin doesn't work because you guys are always looking, they're looking for boats to get off. And like, we just, we keep sinking. So I don't know. know. Yeah, that must be it. Also, uh, just quick point on that, you know, Cuba's an Island and, um, Cubans are barred from fishing. They're barred from having a boat. They're barred from leaving the Island on a boat. So just, you know, in one of those, they can't even fish. They're not allowed to fish. Really? I did not Mm -hmm. know that. I mean, I assumed with the boat and there's a filmmaker that I worked with that um, he's from Cuba and made a movie um, called Habana Instant. Um, And uh, he's like, uh, I think he, I think it's like one, his mom or dad is from Mexico and his, the other one's from Cuba. So that's how he was able to get out. Um, right. Citizenship and, uh, from another country. Mm-hmm. Smart. But, you know, it was the it was the first movie that was filmed in Cuba in a very long time that played outside of Cuba. that wasn't propaganda. Um, and it really opened my eyes to like, whoa, like it's it's pretty brutal there. But I would never get you. You can't even fish. Why? Like just from the shore. You can't at a river. I mean, some like people that. do from the shore, but it it's not sanctioned by the government. So if you so the problem with if you get caught, so, you're... yeah, totalitarian regimes want to control every aspect of your life. That's how they keep you in this system. Right. You're not there necessarily voluntarily. So what do they do? They make you almost starve so that your only food comes from the government. That way they can control you. Don't go protest or you're not going to get food. Don't do this. So after 63 years of this, um, people don't even like fish. That's like the the joke in Cuba is um, that they don't even like fish. If you give Cubans a fish, they're like, oh, we don't eat this. It's like it's like saying cockroach. Right. It's like, oh, I wouldn't touch that because they've been conditioned. But before that, it was it was not legal to fish. So um, I was married to a Cuban man and um, his family lived in Cuba long after my family did. And they lived through the 90s, which was called El Periodo Especial, the special period when Russia no longer was supporting Cuba. They almost starved to death. And that, that was like a big exodus of Cubans. We saw it with Mariel in the 80s. Now we see a big exodus to Nicaragua. Like it's every 10 years, Cuba just lets out, you know, the, the people who would fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were big fishers, like people who fished early, you know, when they were young, they, my, my ex-mother-in-law had won a competition for fishing. Like she was a champion fisher and, um, she couldn't fish anymore. Yeah. It was just, it's, it's insane. I, I don't know how to describe Cuba other than just imagine the most insane, ridiculous policies that make no sense. That's Cuba. Yeah. I mean, it's like. You know, everybody, fo- everybody's focus with, tota- with totalitarianism is is in China. Um, right. But there's so many other, you know, like Alex Gladstein always points out, like how many people around the world live under totalitarian rule. 
And it's like I'm not a big fan of Alex Gladstein. Oh, he's okay. the one that was inviting Eric Jose Garcia Cruz to come to the Bitcoin conference. He's done a lot of work with him. Um, I hmm. appreciate the work he's done to bring attention to the world. Um, and I don't know why he's insistent on on Eric and people who are directly related. Eric, um, part of my issue with him, with the man that was going to come talk about Cuba pay, besides Cuba pay being of the Cuban government, mm -hmm. is that Eric Jose Garcia Cruz spent three years in the G2, in the military branch of the Cuban regime that oppresses people. He'd never left. He's never, I, I challenged him. I, I openly have asked him, show me your discharge papers. Show me where you left the G2. Show me where you are no longer part of the Cuban regime. And he can't. And so the fact that Alex brings him up as this hero of Cuban Bitcoin and freedom and blah, blah, blah. No, he's not. He's you can't own a business in Cuba unless you're sanctioned by the Cuban regime. And Eric Jose Garcia was not only sanctioned, he was going to get been given a visa to leave Cuba to come to the United States to talk about Bitcoin. Tell me how anybody in a totalitarian regime will get a visa, something that I have family in Cuba. I can't get them out. I can't say, hey, they're being repressed, so I need a visa for them, or I'm going to invite them to come speak on a stage. Can they have one? It's bullshit. He knows it's bullshit. And yet here we are. So you know, I, I appreciate actually, it. That's really interesting because, um, you know, I like, like you said, I appreciate a lot of the stuff that he's written and done. Um, but there have been certain things. I mean, there's nobody in the Bitcoin space. I agree with everything 100% that they do. But, oh, there's nobody in know, life certain, in general yeah, that we're going to agree certain, with 100% there's certain things that I'm like, I've been like, whoa, like kind of give me pause recently. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, if you think about it, I mean, I, this is kind of, kind of goes into what I was saying where like, we don't think about Cuba and being the way that China is, but like, it's North Korea, it, really. It's yeah. not even China in China. You can have your own business as long as the government is 51% owner of your business mm. in Cuba. You that's can't. not the case. The government owns everything. Like, uh, just imagine if you were sitting, if if a North Korean came to the Bitcoin conference to talk about how wonderful how, how you can send Bitcoin to North Korea. Everybody's red, everybody's red flags would have been up like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, right. Through you know, a government platform. But it's not really a government platform. It's not. No, no, no. It's me. I am Eric Jose Garcia Cruz, and I am this magical entrepreneur that I can hold conferences within Cuba. Gatherings in Cuba are illegal. Honey you pot. cannot gather with people in Cuba unless it's government sanctioned. He's hosting Bitcoin conferences. Oh, those are those on. have to be honeypots. Of course. This is ridiculous. It's this notion that you can be an entrepreneur and be away from the Cuban government is bullshit. And I keep saying that, and I, I know I'm sounding very angry and people that don't understand this are like, hey, Martha, calm down, whatever. I get that. But I've, this is my reality. This is what I do. And it, part of what the medicine that I've been sending to Cuba, part of my mission in Cuba is I get to talk to a lot of Cubans on the island that have escaped people like my father with their stories. And so I live this day in and day out. Um, you know, if I told you some of the stories, like I, which I won't, because then I'll just I, I still, I'm not, I, I don't want to get to that point, but I, I, I talk to people and I hold it together for them, but then I turn around and I just bust out crying. It's, 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 mm -hmm. I can't imagine what most of these people do. I, I, and, and these stories are just heartbreaking. I know people who the Cuban regime won't let them, um, they're, they've adopted children, for example, 
and the Cuban regime won't give them the paperwork for these children so that they can't leave. Um, just shit like that. Just, just people to, to like mess with people. foreigners or no, no Cubans. Oh, Cubans. Cubans. There's yeah. Um, there's this mother that, that she was part of, of our network of getting medicine distributed in Cuba and she's being tortured. And uh, she was told that the only way that she won't die in, in a Cuban jail is to leave. And um, she has five adopted children and she's going to die in Cuba prob- most probably because uh, she can't leave with her children and she's not going to leave her children behind because the Cuban government won't even allow her um, the paperwork. So those kids don't, you know, where, what she's going to like, you know, just take them. Uh, no country in the world will recognize them as her children without the paperwork, without, yeah. you know, it, it's God, again, you know, just so many stories that I don't even think that we, yeah. I, mean, I don't need to depress anybody further. <laughs> no, no, no. I hear you. I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, it's a shame that uh, that that was getting supported. Um, and frankly, it's a shame that I don't know that much about that. Um, so, you know, maybe Most it's something we can don't. all open our eyes to a little bit more. Um, you know, that's like literally right, right in our backyard. Um, 90 miles from the U.S., 200 and change miles from Miami. I mean, uh, it's closer to Miami than uh, than Tallahassee, the state capital is. Tallahassee is about an eight hour drive from us. If Cuba wasn't over water, if we could just put a bridge over, it'd be two hour drive. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a very close place. It's very close to to us here in the United States. And it's very close to us because there's a million Cubans that live in Miami. We're the mm-hmm. largest Cuban diaspora in the world in an island of 11 million people. One million people is a lot of people that have come here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, <laughs> um, you know, myself, not I was born here in Miami, but my family uh, included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. On to, I guess, well, this isn't to a, to a more, yeah, this isn't to a, <laughs> Let's go to the other tragic yeah, story. Yeah, this isn't we to have. a happier story, <laughs> but, um, but tell me your background with Ross Albrecht and, and, you know, when you first heard of him and, and how you've gotten involved to this point. Right. So I first heard of Ross Albrecht before he was, um, uh, you know, before he was in jail, before this whole story, I heard about Ross Ulbricht and the Silk Road, probably 2011, 2012, somewhere. I don't re- I don't recall. It wasn't like a huge life changing yeah. thing for me at that point because, oh, wow, somebody created a way that you can exchange drugs. I didn't do drugs. I didn't. You know, so why would I care? But I did care about the libertarian in me was like, oh, that's a great idea because government shouldn't be involved in what consenting adults do in exchange. So um, as I said, I'm not very technical, uh, but I downloaded a tour <laughs> and I went onto the, you know, onto the Silk Road to see it for myself. I was like, oh, I want to check this thing out. And I did. I, I kicked myself in the butt for not like buying Bitcoin then just oh, yeah. to try it out. You know, I'm like, oh, damn yeah. it. I probably would have bought, you know, $50 worth of Bitcoin and forgotten that I had it until now. I would have been like, yes. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, don't to make yourself feel better because I I just tweeted this in response to something uh, somebody I I could have the first time I could have bought it would have been I wanted to buy a thousand dollars worth when it was a hundred dollars a coin so it would have been ten coins, um, and somebody told me uh, he said he said you know what if you had you would have sold it whenever it went up to twelve hundred dollars and thought you were a genius yeah you know so yeah, don't yes. worry about don't don't, don't worry about yourself it. yeah i tell this to to lynn ross's mom quite a bit i'm like man i feel like an idiot and she's like martha don't i told ross should i buy some bitcoin and he's like no nah, mom yeah when it was pennies 
He said the same thing to his sister. And they're both like, listen, don't even get me started on the subject. So all of us that feel bad that we didn't get into it early, don't. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I was interested in, in the whole thing as a libertarian. That was my angle. It was, you know, wow. It was very just- libertarian driven early on. Like there was conference up in New Hampshire and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The pork fest and whatnot. I mean, yeah. So, so yeah, it was such a great concept. Like, oh, this thing that's untraceable by the U S government and, you know, what a magical concept for a libertarian, this free market. Right. And there were rules on it. Yeah. You couldn't sell any stolen goods. You couldn't, um, you know, traffic any people you couldn't, whatever. So there were rules. Um, and, by and large, those rules were followed. And, and Ross didn't actually sell drugs, which is, I think, the big misconception people have. Um, I think at the very beginning, he might have sold a little bit of mushrooms, but he didn't actually sell the drugs. He built the platform on which drugs were sold. But what people don't realize and don't understand is that drugs weren't the only thing sold on the Silk Road. Um, it was very much an eBay, a freestyle eBay. And so um, medicines were, were sold on it. And one of the most sold medicine on the Silk Road was insulin. He was really solving a problem for many Americans, not just, um, you know, being able to buy drugs and and not just Americans. It was a platform that was used um, people outside, whatever. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that I don't have to tell people the story of the Silk Road. So when he got caught and all of that, of course, it was in the news. I was very interested in it. Um, I followed very loosely the case. No, I, I was not, you know, I'm uh, just kind of in the peripheral of my life as I was going through life. And last year, um, there was an event in Broward County that Lynn was going to go to. And so um, we were connected through other people and she had just moved to Miami and they're like, hey, can you um, give Lynn Albrecht a ride? And I was like, Yes. Yeah. Yes, I can. Yeah. You know, and when I met her, I was like, oh my God, you're a little freak. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's like a long term libertarian. I still feel that way. I still see her. And I'm like, oh, she's, you know, she's so magical to me. She is. She's, oh, I'll get into that later. But so I met her. We drove up with the other group of people. We took two cars. We drove up to Broward. It's about an hour for drive from Miami. We talked a bit. Um, we both spoke at this event and then we drove back down and through other people, I found out that she was living in uh, some Bitcoin people's house, very wonderful people, but it was very much a, a frat house, you know, a house where a lot of people are building their Bitcoin businesses and she had a room there. And, um, you know, she's, she's, I don't want to say she's elderly cause she's, she's wonderful and she's not, but mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's getting up there in age. And, and I thought, well, that kind of sucks that she's living like that. And I had a room at the time that I, uh, an Airbnb on my property that I was getting, I was closing off and I had some time where it was going to be open and I offered it to her and she moved in. So I got to enjoy Lynn for about five months here. Nice. Um, yeah, it was during the NFT, the the first NFT, and and she you know, she was going through all of that. The I think she goes down in history as the oldest person to mint an NFT, but also I think Ross's NFT was the third largest sold, if I'm not mistaken, NFT in the world. So history was made right here. Yeah, I have wow, to say, I'm house. like, yeah. <laughs> um, and over the course of that time, we've become very very close friends. Um, like I said, to me, Lynn is the ultimate mom and I have an amazing mother. My mother is. So when I talk about Lynn as being the ultimate mom, you have to understand that I have like the world's greatest mom who broke my father out of jail, raised all of us. Like wow. my mom yeah. is my ride or die. And then 
there's Lynn and Lynn is totally a ride or die mom. I, I, everybody wants to believe that their mom would give up everything to spring them out of jail to like be there for. And that's who Lynn is. Lynn, Lynn's every single day is wake up, Ross, 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 go to bed. You know, she, she hustles. Mm -hmm. She's been hustling for nine years. People are like, Hey, Lynn, can you come speak here? And she doesn't care if it's a small audience, a large audience. She is working her tail off for her son. And I think that's what draws us into Ross is that not only is this story amazing, you know, he, he was, he is brilliant. He's a brilliant human being. He is our generation, our Bitcoin, Elon Musk, our Bitcoin, um, Jeff Bezos, our Bitcoin, Zuckerberg, whoever you think is, you know, big, big brain idea. That is him. That is Ross. Ross came up with this platform, with this concept, uh, made Bitcoin have a first use case. So I think we're all indebted to him and what he accomplished. And, you know, I think for me, it became so real when I met Lynn and I, I have three boys. I have four kids total. One is a daughter, but I have three boys and God, just the thought that my, one of my sons could maybe potentially spend the rest of his life in jail, never having human contact because he's not allowed to have any for contact making a with, website for making a website for simply making a website. I don't know how that's anybody's idea of justice. I don't know what they what the United States thinks that it accomplished. Although I do have to say the, um, the libertarian in me, the person who's been around politicians long enough, the person who's been paying attention long enough, this was intentional and it had nothing to do with the drugs. No government wants a free market system, which is again, tying back to Cuba, mm -hmm. why I want a free market, truly free market system in Cuba, because we need to get out of under the government's, uh, under I don't your know. thumb. Yeah. Get it, get it out from underneath their thumb. Um, wow. So you had, so you had, her living with you um at my in my at, property yeah yeah in your property yeah. for not with me like we didn't you know i didn't roll didn't over in bed there in the like morning like netflix, hi lynn good morning <laughs> didn't watch like netflix at night you know sitting there uh, after dinner we, and... we don't really watch tv but we we do talk a lot um to this day she you know she's she's so special to me that any any opportunity we we hang out we do things together um and and i think we both fight she cares about the movement in cuba Mm -hmm. um, I care about her son. So we have that in common. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, like you said, so she lives and breathes it and it has to feel isolating and lonely at times. Cause even though you have people around you, um, I can't imagine that always feels like you do. No, she, nobody knows the pain that Lynn's going through. I mean, I think mothers who have lost their children might understand it. Um, that's the only thing I can compare it to. Uh, we recently went to a friend of ours wedding. I was her plus one. Nice. I was, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, as the bride and groom who were so in love and dancing and, and I looked over at Lynn and it broke my heart because I know she's happy for these friends of ours, but at the same time, she's never going to see that, you know, as things stand right now, she's never going to experience that with Ross. She's never going to walk her son down the aisle and, and have hand him over to the love of his life and have grandchildren. You know, at the Bitcoin conference, there was an event for him. Uh, we all got together and wore masks. And um, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, who I was her voice in Spanish over her campaign, she ran as president uh, for the United States in the mm -hmm. 2020 election. Uh, nobody really covered her, but she was pro all of our liberties and Bitcoin. Um, 
she, she showed up and she was there and Lynn at the very end said, bring my boy home. And I have to tell you that I don't think I've ever had my heart broken as much as, as that moment was, you know, to just hear Lynn kind of plead with us, like, let's do this guys. I need my boy home. It was just, I don't know. I guess again, the mother in me, it just, it breaks me. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Please. So heartbreaking. Uh, well, hopefully we can get him out at some point. And, and if we can't break him out, if we can't get him out with a, you know, presidential pardon, then let's break him out of jail. Come on, Bitcoiners. <laughs> you, talk to your mom. Your mom's the one that hatched the plan, you know, to get your dad out. So let's uh, get Ross into a gulag. So that it's a little less security and then, you know, get him, get him cutting the grass and then, uh, right. you know, and then let's get him mowing the lawn in the middle of, of the street. Like one of those, you know, can, can we get him to be a firefighter or the guys work that release, you yeah. know, I highly totally break him out. Yeah. That, that would be the, that would be the easiest. He's um, in maximum security for a reason. And he was given, he spoke at uh, the Bitcoin conference last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pre-recorded it, but it was released then. And he was uh, put into the shoe for that. They they don't just want for the to oh so they so mm. he was put how long was he in there? I believe it was about a week. And and that's that's solitary the, confinement. just straight solitary confinement. Oh yeah, um, the United States government does not want Ross out, um, and and you can see that in in the court case. He was never tried. When when I talk about Ross, the number one pushback I get is, "Well, Martha, oh, he wanted to have people murdered." So he, you know, hired Hitman. Number one, he was never charged with that. The FBI agent that investigated him went to jail himself for that. Um, It was never proven. He was never tried. It was never brought up in court until his sentencing where the judge said and brought it up, which Mm -hmm. to me is completely wrong in all uh, shapes and forms. But um, hiring a Hitman without it actually, you know, without succeeding is a 10 year sentence great. He served nine years. Can we release him now? If that was his crime, besides building this platform, he has served his time. He has served his sentence. He has served his debt to society and he needs to be free. And instead he has two life sentences plus 40 years. How does this make sense? Did he, was there a plea that he could have accepted at one point? No. And that's part of the the lies told about him. Um, I forget the name of the man who did the documentary, who was also the one who did a book or he did a movie. Um, but that was a big lie. He also went on Joe Rogan and said that Ross was turned down a plea deal for, plea deal for 10 years. And that's bullshit. From the horse's mouth, from Lynn herself, who was completely involved in every aspect of the case, she um, she, and we were at a talk once and somebody said, Hey, I, um, I heard from the prosecutor herself who said that there was a plea deal who, that it was never taken to Ross. Ross never heard it. And that might be possibly grounds to, to retry his case. So no, he never heard about that. And if that's the case, um, whoever has information on that, please go forward with it. Please let us know because Um, that would be fantastic. He definitely would have taken that deal and he'd be out now or Mm -hmm. out next year. And I think that's something that people need to understand. This case was messed up from the beginning. This was not a, a, um, you know, guilty, uh, innocent until proven guilty type of thing. Ross definitely, in my opinion, was, um, he had no choice. There, there was no, there was nobody wanted him free. Nobody wanted him talking. There's a reason he's given 300 minutes a month to talk to everyone. He, uh, you know, that's not nearly enough. 300 minutes. I think we've, we've almost hit 300 minutes. You and I here, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's for the whole month. 
he they don't want him speaking they don't hmm. that's uh i can't imagine it's so heartbreaking yeah well and the worst um, part is he's our political prisoner we've got 2000 in cuba and in the u.s he's definitely one of them yeah i mean there's so many all over the place you know uh it's like why i never would even like travel to anywhere that could you know do that because i you remember there was that i forget his name but um just like a kid that went on a auto trip yeah yeah to 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 north uh, korea Korea. Mm -hmm. you know and like he i think he like took a poster down as like a prank I bet you that wasn't even the case. And, you know, it's like, I was like, I would never, ever step foot in. I've stepped in foot places. in North Korea, but I've stepped foot on the demilitarized zone. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I am there with you. I would never go into North Korea, North Korea. Um, I did want to see it, though. I did want to experience it. So I did. Um, but I think that people don't really. I, Cuba does some great work on propaganda that North mm-hmm. Korea doesn't do. Cuba's like, come for our beaches. And people do. Um, and, and then and they people, get stuck. Generally, people don't get stuck in Cuba unless you're speaking against the government. And that's, um, there's a very famous uh, freedom fighter from Guatemala. Her name is Gloria Alvarez. And Gloria Alvarez went to Cuba and I think they kicked her out early and they she had a government escort the entire time. Um, and they wouldn't let her speak and they wouldn't let her do anything. And they, they threatened her. So- Um, You know, there's people don't realize that Cuba is very much like North Korea. You don't go into Cuba. I I would never go to Cuba. I've never been to Cuba. And I get criticized within Cubans here in Miami that are like, you're not as Cuban as me because you've never been to the island and you weren't born there. And it's like, I don't I'm on their radar. I can't go to Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) I am on a government list. I can't go to Cuba or I'm not leaving Cuba. I will die there. So, yeah, no, I hear you. That's what uh, I guess. You know, a lot of people say they'd be better to stay like, uh, you know, pseudonymous, get a pseudonym and, you know, everything like that. And and I'm like, well, you know what? This is like. I didn't think for- about that in time. Come on. I, I'm running for office. OK, how am I going to be anonymous or pseudonymous yeah. and run for office? I- Won't really work. Office, no, no, no. Wouldn't really work. Um, so when is when's the election? Election is August 23rd. Um, and it is a seat that is above uh, Mayor Suarez. I know everybody talks about the Bitcoin mayor. So mm-hmm. I think the Bitcoin mayor needs more help. Uh, city of Miami is one of 32 cities in Miami-Dade County. I am running for commissioner of Miami-Dade County, um, which encompasses all of those cities. And its primary role is financial, which again, Bitcoiners, that's mm-hmm. what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, as somebody who believes ultimately 100% in freedom, um, I believe that you should be able to pay in whatever currency you want, even if it's Monero. <clears throat> oh, uh, Don't kill me uh, for that. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll let I'll let the first <laughs> the first time you mentioned it, I'll let that slip out so that if anybody wants to look up and then the rest of them, I'll bleep it. We'll so bleep. people will think. They'll think so, you're like dropping f bombs left and right. They'll be like, and then they'll <laughs> and then they'll find out what you were saying, and they'll be like, it's much worse than f bombs. It's so much more dangerous. It's so much more harsh and and. Uh, but yeah, no. Terrible. Um, this is terrible. <laughs> I know. I, oh so, sure. I think people should be able to pay in whatever currency that uh, whoever's willing to accept it will accept. 
Well, hey, I mean, I, honestly, I, and I say this to my Bitcoiners because the day will come and they'll, they'll like, you know, crucify me because I own Movies Plus and we have like five Bitcoin documentaries on there right now. Um, and I always tell people I'm a freedom of speech maximalist. So if somebody comes to me with an But Ethereum, you're going to censor me. <gasps> no. ah, oh, I got you. Oh, you did, you did get me there. OK, so I won't. Um, but uh but I do because I tell them all the time. I, I tell people all the time. I say I'm a freedom of speech maximalist. So if somebody comes with an Ethereum documentary, it is not my right to take away their voice. It's it's not my right. Um, could I put yeah. it under a banner that says shitcoin <laughs> or like, you know, um, you know, having the freedom of speech doesn't mean you have the freedom of um of, of not being like of censoring people that you don't like. I mean, no, it, I feel not, like we've, we've gone through this here in the U S no, it's you know, it's like people don't want to hear certain things and they're like, well, that shouldn't be said. No, it should all be said. And you have the right to turn it off if you don't like it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I literally launched the platform um, on the backs of a Trump documentary called the plot against the president. And I'm like, I'm not, I've told this story again before. So my listeners don't want to hear it again, but like, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not sitting there with like a Trump flag, like, go Trump, go Trump. But the filmmaker came to me and was like, and she was like, I'm afraid I'm going to get censored. And I was like, you're because that's what I did before was I would sell movies to Netflix and Amazon and everybody. And I was like, I promise you it's going to get censored because this is what I do. And they're going to do everything they can. And so she said, do you know a platform that won't take it down? Movies Plus was an idea that I had maybe like a year away from launching. And I was like, F it. I'm going to put all my resources into making this, you know, website and app up and get it out there. And sure, it'll go there and it won't come down because I own it. Um, so that, uh, you know, it's amazing, you know, and, and, and then people, you know, I mean, it was, you know, funny. I mean, my dad, he's my dad's probably listening to this and, um, you know, he he said, well, what if, you know, somebody comes with a documentary that's just completely against everything you believe in? And I was like, then I have to trust that what's wrong will be evident to people and they are smart enough to figure it out. But silencing opposing views mm-hmm. is not going to win. Right. Um, and not to get into like this whole thing, um, you know, cause I've seen you post about it and stuff like that, but like, I'm very pro-life and like, and I actually tweeted whenever the whole SCOTUS thing was happening, the Supreme court. And I, I said, changing laws doesn't, win isn't no changing laws isn't winning changing hearts is winning right and, and that, I, I posted recently about that it's like listen abortions have gone down drastically over the last 40 years and that has nothing to do with like it's been legal so you'd think that abortions would go up but instead they're coming down and why well because i think we're talking about it and people are like well that's killing a life because mm-hmm. i agree with you i've had four children i got pregnant when i was 20 you know, th- I chose life. I could have very well have aborted him and, and moved on with my life and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I am a firm believer that in, in not aborting and in, in having your children and in raising them and, you know, whatever you want to call it. But would I want government to to make that decision for somebody? No, because not everybody agrees with me and not everybody sees it as a life. And um, I don't know how I feel, what, what point it becomes a life. And until we've have a hundred percent consensus on that. Who is the government to make this decision for people? Right. So, and I think it's, it's a very nuanced argument and people kind of mm-hmm. come at me like, Oh, you're in favor of killing people. No, no, I'm not. But that's, I mean, and you know, it's like I said, it's about changing hearts. It's not, it's not about changing laws because 
you know, uh, I think Mother Teresa said, I think it was her. So I might be misattrib- misattributing the quote, but she said, we don't need to make it like unlawful. We need to make it unthinkable. There you go. And oh, wow. That's such a good quote. Is, now I need to look it up and make sure that it's her so that I can repeat it because I like to tax people on things. Yeah. I tax it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. And then what, and then uh, the other, I mean, the other thing too is like, it's, then there's people that go like, um, you know, well, like, well, because there's a lot of pro-life people that are, you know, pro-life in the abortion sense that are, for the death penalty you know yes but or for then, war yeah but, I voted but then they'll for come George to me w in 2000 i was i i had no concept of politics and when i saw republicans like we have to go into afghanistan or before they come here yeah yeah wait what say it into my good ear i think i i heard you say you wanted to kill people because they may somehow find a way to come five thousand miles over this way talk or- about things that have completely given me disillusion and disoriented me to what has what reality is is all those wars and stuff like that We're and that's what like about six of them yeah and people yeah but people argue they'll go we'll go if you're pro-life then why would you support the death penalty i'm like uh, i don't i'm like pro-life for me means across the board me too. and it's kind of like free speech you know it's like it's not my right to take somebody's voice away and it's not my right to take somebody's life away now if somebody's threatening my life or somebody that i love's life then you know obviously i mean i I know you're a second amendment person and i'm a second amendment person you know that's a completely different story but you know it's not my right to to choose who lives and who dies and if you're a terrible person um you know and you follow like just there should be laws I, i don't understand why you know why why we have to have capital punishment and um, there'll probably be some Bitcoiners that'll jump on me for that one, but you know, it is what it is. I'm, you know, there, there is no, it's just, it's hypocritical. I mean, I also believe in wood chippers go burr. So I don't know. I mean, there's certain, there's certain things that I think are just unspeakable. And, you know, if, if a parent finds somebody doing something horrible to their child and they do something to that person, I mean, mm, it's a, it's a tough line to walk. I don't, So I think that that's the big issue here, right, is not everything is black and white. Not everything is cut and dry. Not everybody's one size doesn't fit us all. Um, Where I was in life when I got pregnant might not be where somebody else is in life when they get pregnant. And I don't think that there should be a governing body that can tell us what to do and what not to do in every circumstance. Yes, Mm -hmm. murder is wrong, but that's like the libertarian thing, right? If, um, If you, you know, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. If you don't infringe on their freedoms, then then you can do whatever you want. And except for murdering your own kids, you know, yeah. there's there's lines that but you then don't you're want to you're cross infringing on your kids on somebody freedom. else's right. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but trust me, I get a lot of of people who hear what I'm saying, but maybe don't understand what I'm saying, and so uh, I get attacked quite a bit, especially from even libertarians. I mean, it's just, it's, it's tough. Libertarians it's tough being a politician. Are, it's, a, it's a tough <laughs> world to live in because everybody is completely, you know, you're supposed to be completely like freedom focused and everything like that. But like, that also means that you have to be more inclusive because you're going to have people with different ideas and, and it all goes, you know, it's funny. Like I always have this quote where I, I, I say it to people, um, where I say like, you know, the whole, when the whole gay marriage rights was coming up and, you know, becoming law, 
And I was like, the greatest trick the government ever pulled was letting you think that you needed their permission. Right. Right. If you I were mean, gay before that, a, why a, did you need, why did you need their permission? I know like and, people talk about taxes and all that kind of stuff, but it's like, no, really like why, why, why did, did you need, you need it? Right. In, and in I mean, marriage is a, is a religious thing. Why did the government decide like, and, yeah, and why, why does it apply to one group of people? Like it should be two people who live together um, well, now they get to combine the, if you're combining your income of some, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. I I'm against taxation in general. So get rid of taxation, especially income tax, which is terrible. And then let people do whatever they want. I think we should be able to pay for government services as we see fit, just the same way we pay for our electricity and our cable and whatnot. Oh, you don't want police services. That's fine. You don't have to pay for you police services, for the but police then bill. you don't get them. Yeah. You don't get them. I assure you most, most rational people, um, want police services they want they want if their house is burning down to be able to call the firefighter whether they use it or not look at the alarm companies right everybody who had an alarm right insurance companies they should be the ones dictating if you can build a third story on your house or not it shouldn't be the government it shouldn't what do they have to do right it's like anything else like a professional organization if you have the most prestigious uh, professional organization everybody wants your your seal of approval um, there's so many, listen, there's so many things that we could talk about. Um, I went to the country of Georgia over, 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 um, Christmas, my second trip there. But the reason I keep bringing them up is because they are one of the only countries in the world that have all of their property listed on a decentralized blockchain. So you can go to their house of justice and within 20 minutes, let's say you and I wanted to, I wanted to buy your house within 20 minutes at the house of justice, I could have your house purchased. You know, we, you and I come to an agreement and I know that it's your house because your title would be on this. It's, it's almost like an NFT on the, their blockchain, right? There's a picture of, of whatever, or I'm not sure how they, how they function it, but you know, we, there's so many great ideas out there. We, the government that we know, it's just the one that we know that we've always had, but like anything, there, like when you started telling people about Uber 10 years ago, it's like, wait, I'm going to get into a stranger's car. And now it's like, Oh, I'm just going to Uber there. Like let technology take its course, let it go. Let, let's the, let the best ideas win instead of forcing everybody into what we have. And that's what government is. It's just a way to force people into what government wants. And that's why I'm running because we need these ideas. We need to stop. We have a $9 billion budget in Miami every year. They steal $9 billion from us. We don't have transportation. I just got bitten by a stray cat that came into my house last week. I've put it all over my Twitter. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I put it all over my Twitter. I I let people come and enjoy my crazy life with me. So a stray cat just wandered into my house because I live in a very rural area where people just dump their animals. And we don't have any county services. We do have them technically, but they're not there. It's a 30 something plus million dollar budget that just doesn't service what we need. And this cat bit me and, you know, the whole ordeal, I needed to get rabies shots because we couldn't figure out if the cat had rabies or not, or, you know, we just have all these services that are terrible. I haven't been able to get in contact with the county to come pick up this cat. Um, to get it spayed or neutered so that it doesn't keep reproducing and to maybe put it out of its misery if it does indeed have rabies so that it doesn't infect other people. I mean, it's just, they know the hospital sent in a report. I haven't been able to get in contact with them. (laughs) We don't have animal services. We don't have transportation in Miami. I don't know if you saw that while you were here, Mm -hmm. but there's really no public transportation. And yet we are billing people for this transportation. So we have a really messed up system. 
And nobody's talking about these issues and nobody's trying to fix them. And so, hi, I'm here. I'd like You're to, there fix, to the fix the problem. It. Yeah. Oh. At least, at least talk about it. I mean, and be I don't fiscally think responsible, that, you know, like, I mean, right. like, like rest of adults do like, a, like us grown adults who have to be fiscally responsible and make sure that we pay what for a our concept. Bills. You know, I mean, it, 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 this will drive you nuts being this being this being your stance, but in Pittsburgh, so we have terrible transportation as well. So it's funny when I got to Miami, I was like, oh, it's just like home. Um, and like, there's not no, in a good way. <laughs> no. And there's no subway. Like there's a very minimal like light rail system. And like it's literally like one line. And like us, it went from one part of town and it went across. We have three rivers. So it goes over the river on a bridge and into downtown. Um, and that's it. And mm-hmm. about uh, 15 years ago, they announced that they're doing this plan to build a tunnel to extend it. Um, and it's going to go under the river to the other side, to the north side of the city and, you know, have access to the north side and everything like that. Um, turns out the reason they did it was because it was taxpayer money that was allotted for a program and it was either use it or lose it. So but they at least were like, they used it, right? I mean, I mean, it was like we have that same hundreds of millions of dollars, right? We have that just same wasted. issue here. We have like that a light rail system. It's a we call it the metro rail, and it's above, uh, you know, Miami. You can't really do a whole lot of digging yeah. here without hitting water. And so they're like, we're going to expand it. They got approved a half a penny sales tax, and we've been collecting for over twenty years half a penny. Over a billion dollars were have been collected. We could have rebuilt miles of this thing. We could have added, we could have done something with it. And instead we've squandered it. We've put it into other pet projects. Politicians keep like putting it in their pockets and here we are. And have we cut the half a penny sales tax? No. No, no. once a tax is in there, it's in there. You're never getting rid of it. And have we built anything with it? No. What did they do? The one thing that they did was like raise salaries for bus drivers and buy a few extra buses. I mean, it's, it's almost sad how ridiculous we are with with other people's money. And so I I don't promise to change everything day one because it's impossible. I would be one commissioner out of 13. But Mm -hmm. boy, golly, I'm going to use I have a big mouth and I am going to use it. And um, I think we need to start talking about it. There was just this past week out of a commissioner's office, um, his staff was accused of taking over six hundred million dollars, like some crazy number that they I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. 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 I take that back. $600,000. My bad. $600,000. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. No, no, no. It's $600,000 from his office in, in grants and certain things. Yeah. Commissioners have access to over a million dollars in just discretionary funds that they don't even have to talk about. And when I tell people, listen, the commissioner's salary is $6,000, but it, my, the person who's running against me, my opponent, um, he's raised over a million dollars between his, his campaign account and his PAC. Why does he need to raise a million dollars for a job that pays $6,000 a year? That's 500 bucks a month, guys. That's not enough to even, you know, get yourself to downtown. And, How are all and those people getting their money back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's and I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, we're smart people. Think about it. What job pays $6,000 a year, but you're going to raise a million dollars and you're going to go happily to do this job. He's a state rep. So he's taking a downgraded position for this. And, and I hate to be the one to like throw this out there, but he and everybody who runs for this seat, you, you, you either need another job, 
because $6,000 a year isn't going to support you. Or. I mean, you know, how did Nancy Pelosi build her wealth? Right. Or how did Bernie Sanders or how did uh, Joe Biden or anybody, even Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who spends her time talking about how she needs her student loan (laughs) pardoned, you know, and she's driving around in a Tesla. Like, seriously, it's it's ridiculous and it's disgusting. Tone deaf. Yeah. They're so tone deaf. So oh, my. and why? And then to that, people are like, so how are you not going to steal? Well, <laughs> I don't intend to because I never have and I never will. And also I, I'm self-made. I don't have a whole lot. But what I have, I built it on my own. And I don't need to grift off of people to make money. Um, so you're a hard worker, you're going to get it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I always yeah. have, always will. And, um, you know, if, if I, I'm, I'm putting this out there because I want people to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, come back and let me know how you think I'm doing once I've gotten the job, because that's what I need. I need people paying attention. I need people angry about the stuff that's happening because not one person, there's nobody in this world that can fix the situation alone. And I think we put our, all of our eggs into that, you know, um, politician that we all think is going to do something. Oh, I think yeah. Donald it Trump was the last one. Everybody's like, Donald Trump is going to fix the United States. He's going to make America great again. Yeah, no, it's I've been telling people since before that I'm like, I always told that I would say, regardless of who wins or loses, your life stays the same pretty much. So, you know, and that and at the time I was like, ah, your life stays the same. But then as I've gotten more into Bitcoin, I'm like, oh, your life gets worse, continually gets worse because they're on one team playing against. Yeah, they're both on one team. All politicians are on one team. And I I get that as a as a politician, um, you know, I'm I'm. Yeah, I, I get to say this because I, I see, I get to peek behind the curtain. I am registered as an NPA now. I am not a libertarian in the party sense. I'm a libertarian in the philosophy sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm registered non-party and I go to, you know, I'll go to Republican events. I was at Governor DeSantis had a um, an event and I went and I get to peek behind the curtains as a politician. People want to talk to me and tell me these things. And I can see, come on, I've been offered stuff. I was offered money to run as a Republican before my opponent got into the race. I've, I've been in this race since February of last year. So I've been here for a while and I got offered money to run as a Republican and I turned it down stupidly. Um, I want to say that because you know, I could have taken the money and then been like, sorry, you're not getting that out of me. But I, I wanted to run on principle. And now I realize that a million dollars, if he wanted to to bury me with it, he can. Mm-hmm. And so I shouldn't have turned it down. I should have definitely have taken it. Um, but it, yeah, I, I get to see how the sausage is made. And when you see how the sausage is made, you don't really you want don't to eat it. Want to eat it. No. no, you're like, yeah. it's my son asked that. He asked that at breakfast. One Sunday, he said, "What sausage?" And I was like, "Um, hmm. uh, hey, look at that! Look, there's a bird outside." <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about it. <laughs> In politics, that sausage it. is gross. Yeah. I mean, and they're all part of one team. They're all part of one team. You think that they're you're not on it. You're not on it. George Carlin was such a brilliant yep. man. He was so ahead of his time because it's a big club. And you're not in it. Yep. I'm not in it either. And I hope to never be in it. And if I'm in it, please, somebody like smack me. Like she said, her DMs are open. So you guys yeah. can just crush her to no end if she doesn't live up to her campaign promises. Yes, absolutely. Or come. I, I intend to have an open door policy. Come to my office when I have one, because currently it's in my home. As you can see, I'm remodeling. There's 
uh, sconces open on the wall, but um, it, yeah, my door, I always intend to have it open. My, my business cards that I give out to people, um, I have two, actually one doesn't have a phone number on it because I am female and I've, mm-hmm. yeah. I have, I have come across some issues, but um, I generally give out people, I give them my phone number. I only have one phone. It rings in my, you know, I'm very open. I think that that's something that's missing out of politics mm-hmm. as well. I think people should be able to, to reach and have a conversation with who they elected. Yeah. What a concept, right? I know. It's a novel idea to, you know, actually have input and, um, you know, but everyone has my email. That's yeah. for sure. And where can, where can, and where can they find you? Yeah. Let them know. Where oh, sure. Find so email is Martha at Martha Feel free to send me a note. Um, and all social media platforms are, well, I guess I shouldn't say all most, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter for at Bueno for Miami, my last name for Miami. Excellent. And everybody, uh, you know, when I come down, so when you win and then the steel, when I win, because I'm going to win when you win. Um, (laughs) let me think, how could I make this work to my advantage? Uh, so the pirates play the Miami Marlins at some point, the Pittsburgh pirates do. So I'll, I'll make that work to my advantage. I'll come down. I'm sure it's really hard to get tickets to Miami Marlins games. I oh mean, my God. The Miami Marlins games are pretty much empty. That was a boondoggle like, in and of itself. It's like, a, it's like, a, it sounds like a mall inside there. It's like a when you want a beautiful stadium. Oh gosh. But it's I just mean, empty. It's empty. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, yeah. That's not true. I, it's not always empty. I did see Guns N' Roses there once and it was packed. So oh, that had to have been a good concert. It was hot because you can open the roof. And oh, so they didn't have the air conditioning going. Mm, it was mm. pretty hot, but it's a beautiful stadium. I mean, the roof is mechanical. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It's unfortunate that it costs Miami Dade citizens. Oh, millions, they, we millions. did the same thing in Pittsburgh. We have three buildings that were built by taxpayer dollars that somehow the owners of the team own, which is really funny. That somehow they can then sell later. You know, yeah, you know how these things. Part happen. of their assets. We just and... signed that for Inter Miami, like literally this past week. We just really. We yeah, we never. So in this case, they're they're going to use according to them their own money, but but um, yeah. you know why does Miami date? Well, this is actually city of Miami. This is Francis Suarez, our Bitcoin mayor. Um, they they signed a deal um, where they're basically leasing a hundred and something acres for not a whole lot of money. I mean, the math that they provided, it was like, oh my God, look, but it's not, it's like $3 million rent a year, which is peanuts for a hundred acres in the heart of Miami. I mean, yeah, trust me. I, I, I did real estate for a little while that I, you could parcel out that, that land and sell it for a lot of money. And probably city of Miami people wouldn't have had to pay taxes for at least a year, if not more, if we would have just given that money back to the residents. And that's the problem with government. They take, and then they think it's theirs. And then they just use it for their pet projects rather than putting it back in the pockets of the people where it belongs. If you stole too much money, if it's, if it's so much that you have excess, it's not for you to come up with projects. And and what is that land currently? Oh, it's a golf course, a golf course that has cost the people of the city of Miami over a million dollars over the last, I don't know how many years to maintain. So, I mean, it's like government just wants to create businesses that they have no business creating. And then when that fails, you're like, well, now we'll sell it and we'll create a new business or some new it's going to be a traffic nightmare for Miami. It's going to be so many issues for Miami. Um, it's great that we're going to have a team, I suppose. I mean, I hear yeah. that's like a big deal and somehow it's going to bring us jobs. I don't know, you know, what There's that always the, is. the promises and um, just wait till you see what it actually looks like compared to what like the re- artist renditions are. 
It's you know, by always... the airport. It's next door to the airport. There are FAA regulations for airplanes. And they're like now saying that they're going to make it even taller. You, we land airplanes, like the expressway right by where that, yeah. that golf course is. The airplanes literally, if you're driving on the expressway, you see the airplanes coming in right over your car and lands right there on the expressway. I don't think these politicians know a thing about the life, you know, like the world around them. No, like they, airplanes need certain clearances because it's not always, you know, there's emergencies. Imagine having a stadium filled with people and an airplane declares an emergency. It's too tall. They have, I mean, holy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just going to leave that there. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's not like airplanes can just land in any direction. It don't they land the like wind. helicopters? You know, they just come in and, you know, it's not like Star Wars where they just swoop in and, you know, phew. And they can land that way, um, uh, you know. Yeah, it's uh, there's land. there's so many memes where it'll be like something like, you know, I have an idea to fix this, and you're like, okay, I'm listening. Then it's like the government, and it's like, no, stop. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the government should stop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, if you're in a hole, the first stop to getting out, the first step to getting out of a hole is to stop digging. The U.S. Mm-hmm. government is in a hole. We're a thirty trillion dollar hole. And counting, can we stop digging? It's like, well, but we spent a trillion dollars on this and that was wrong. So yeah. now we get to spend another trillion on this because that was wrong. So the two wrongs make a right. I mean, spend your way out of a problem. You can't do it. Uh, well, I, Martha, I really appreciate your time. We went, I, I took you a lot more of your time than, uh, than you probably expected, but you probably it was need to do this combo. in two parts. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I really appreciate it. And and best of luck to you and, and Bitcoiners blow up her DMs with all the ways that she can do what she wants to do and get Thank people you, to use Bitcoin privately in Cuba, because that would be huge. Um, that would be. And I would but, appreciate it. Please, you know, if there is a way, I want to hear about it. And I'm not technical, so let me know. And let me know like I was five, please. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's what I always ask. <laughs> Explain it to me like I'm five. Yeah. All right. Well, th- thank you so much for coming on, Martha. I appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. All right, everybody. That'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks again to the Bitbox O2 Hardware Wallet for sponsoring the show. Go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple and use the promo code Bitcoin Made Simple to get 5% off of your order. I will talk to you guys next time.